Hi folks, welcome to another instalment of the Walworth Nation podcast with myself, Walworth to Explorer, Lawrence Waller. As mentioned at the end of the last episode with Adam Berry talking about Troop Carry Command, today's episode is something of an unexpected bonus as Reverend John Parker has kindly sent in an interview that his family did with their father, Douglas Parker, about his experiences serving in the army during the war and also post-war in Palestine. John has also kindly sent me some additional information about his father and I thought I would just add this and a few other details now to give some more context to these recollections. Doug originally joined up with the West Yorkshire Regiment in 1941 before being transferred to the 2nd Battalion, East Yorkshire Regiment in 1943 as training for the opening of the 2nd Front was intensifying. The 2nd East Yorks was a part of the British 3rd Infantry Division and Monty's Ironsides, as they were nicknamed were earmarked to land on Saw Beach on D-Day, the furthest east of the five landing beaches in Normandy. Douglas and his comrades as part of 8th Infantry Brigade had in fact been chosen to lead the division ashore as part of the initial assault waves landing on Queen Red Sector. Douglas was just 21 when he stepped ashore on the beach of Normandy. Anyhow, I will let John Douglas pick up the rest from here. Uh, my name is Douglas Parker. My regimental number, what we issue from the West Yorkshire Regiment, was 454-7067. And in, in Christmas 1943, we were transferred to the East Yorkshire Regiment at Folkestone. Right. And there we started out from we, the train after, after Christmas at Folkestone. We went up to Scotland to start our training for the, the, the invasion of France, Normandy. And, and how long were you in Scotland for? For about 18 months. And what was it like in Scotland? Well, it was uh, a place called Akaradol, and there was nothing there, only you couldn't go out at night because there was nowhere to go. You were, you were just isolated all the time and we had a chap who came and he took us out every day training more of us in the north of Scotland and uh, there, was, uh, there was nowhere to go, you, you was very, very isolated and so I mean we were all very hungry because we were that fit. And so the time came when, obviously, we had to come back to, we did all the training with the 3rd British Infantry Division. So, so, when, so when, when did you go back down south and where, where, whereabouts were you before you went to cross on the invasion? What's the Lowbell? Cowplane. And where's that? Is that near Portsmouth? Yes, yes. Yes, there. Portsmouth, Southampton, uh, yeah. and 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 when, what what boat did you did you did you cross the channel on? The Battleaxe, wasn't it? The Battleaxe. It was uh, specially made boats because they had uh, landing craft assault on the sides like lifeboats. So there is not. There's not we either went down by the side of the ship or we were lowered into the water. 
And what platoon and what sort of company were you in in the issue? I was in the, uh, I was in the Land Platoon, B Company, 2nd Battalion, Yorkshire Regiment. And that was part of the 3rd British Infantry Division, was it? Yes, that's the 8th Brigade. And so you got off the Empire Battle Axe onto a landing craft, is that right? Yes, yes. And you proceeded to what beach about what time? Well, obviously, yeah. We went out into the channel and then uh, obviously the Earl hours and of course then we we uh, started off obviously to, for DD. I think if the weather was that bad it had to be cancelled one day. But then we sat on the, on the early morning of the 6th of June. And what, what time was it roughly when you landed on the beach, roughly speaking? Well, it was, uh, well, half past seven, eight o'clock, yeah. And, and once, the, once the door went down on the landing craft, what would you like to explain to us what it was like and what, what you faced uh, on, on the beach? Well, uh, on the landing craft, it was just a platoon. And uh, obviously, the uh, there was only a platoon on it, so there was two Royal Navy, Royal Marines. One was a drive, one was a coxswain, and the other was as a, a machine gun. And then the ramp went down, and that was it. There was three. First, one went down the right, and then the left. And I think I, I was nearly the last. I was uh, I was nearly the last to get off. And how many how many men are in a platoon? About thirty. About thirty, right? Three, three sections, and then there was the uh, platoon officer, and uh, obviously that was it. So it's uh, three three nines of twenty seven, and then the, the platoon officer and, and everything like that. Right. And what what, was it, what what did you face when you actually got onto the beach? What was it like? Well, I, I was going to tell a lie. I, I was probably one of the last off. And I was the, the patrol runner for that occasion. So obviously they all went off and I followed them. And uh, obviously, I mean, you know, it, it just disappeared. And I ran up the beach, and I could see the machine gun bullets hitting the, the beach, probably about ten, about ten yards in front of me. So I got uh, behind uh, t protection, and obviously it ceased. And so then I set off, and as I went, ran up the beach, this chap, Cor Corporal Wilkinson, he. He said, help me, help me, he must have been dying. And of course, I got, I got over of his shoulders and I sank him under to, to the little stone wall like as beach, he, he, you know, to walk on. And I sank him behind there and I shouted to a stretcher bearer to, uh, to have a look at him, but obviously he, he died. What was your main task when you got off the beach? Well, uh, our objective was to make the beach safe for the rest of the troops that's followed from the, from the division so that obviously troops could come safely into it as, as a beach as 
was already ours. So obviously, we, our job objective, whatever the consequences, was to make the beach safe so all the thousands of troops. Obviously, our division, which is probably 89,000, they obviously they had to keep falling and obviously making a bridgehead. Yeah. But for the rest of the, 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 the thing, uh, the 3rd British Infantry Division was to make the beach safe, irrespective of the consequences. And the, uh, that, that was it, they got to, uh, that's what we did, irrespective. And of course, we, we steadily moved inland, and obviously, and the troop, the beach was safe, so it was, it, it was all right for landing. Because we, we, we were, it was safe. So what? Where, where, where did you spend the night then? We were there till it was dark, and then obviously uh, we we just spent the night the best we could. I mean, uh, there was no there was no cover. I mean, you had to very late at night, and we settled down. And Germans dropped a few water bombs among amongst uh, troops. I could hear them shouting for such a bearers. And of course, like that was our, our first night, there was nothing there. Did you get any food that night? No, no, no. No, just like what they call other sight racing, you know. The, uh, no, no, no food. I mean, the, the main objective was to make everything safe because, I mean, obviously, you had to get off the beach. And so the, the rest of the I mean, they were ferrying soaps in all the time. And, and after that initial day, what, what, what battles, where, where were you involved for the next few weeks and months? Where oh, were you involved? Calm. Calm. Battle of Calm. That was the, the main area in that uh, particular time, isn't it? The, the main object was to capture Calm, which was a, a main area. I mean, we had to know, I mean, obviously the beach is there. And then they had to spread the uh, the paratropes that dropped previously, hadn't they? Yeah. Down the river on, and uh, like with the old bridge, with like with that cafe were, and obviously was uh, to to make uh, as much take as much ground as we could. So obviously, there were thousands of troops trying to, to come in. So you fought on through France, and where 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 else did you fight after after, after you well, fought on well, through? Oh, we went through uh, Belgium, didn't we? Holland. We uh, and then uh, in, into uh, Bremen when the war, when uh, the peace was signed. So you said the platoon was about thirty men. Yeah. So, so and what 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 you 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 were B company. Of yeah, eleven platoon, B company. So how how many can you did, have you any idea how many men were still left out of that platoon at the end of the war? Out of that thirty people, how many were left? Any idea? Oh, very few, very few, very few. Yeah, obviously, it uh, it was very very demanding, isn't it? You know, it's people who were new and. And that's it, obviously, you had to get moving and, and 
obviously, all our objective was to move in and move the Germans back, which uh, it was very, very, very hard. You were, there was no, you were set outside all the time, you know. There was no way to, to do nothing else to do, obviously. Did you, were, you, were you fed on army rations or did you have to sort of find your own food as you fought on? No, the, uh, well, if, uh, if you were static, you, well, you, you pulled out for a couple of days. At cookhouse, but if you were lucky, all the cookhouse would be frightened. It was a big food up on a lot of them. If somebody's off the shelves 10 miles away, really they never turned up. There was one meal a day. Right. That was the evening meal, which used to bring up. So then what there was like, these boxes, which uh, everything were in, hard tack biscuits and, you know, I think tins what you pulled in it and it warmed, so feeding tins uh, of food. And whereabouts were you when the war ended? In Bremen. We captured, we, we kept, we walk it. Walking through Bremen, there was nothing there. There was no people. We just walked into this street. And obviously, we, we went as far as what was there. What was it? We had, we had to, we were in charge, and uh, obviously, there were one or two skirmishes, but uh, and, and that, that was it. Yeah. And so when the war ended, what happened, when the war ended in May 1945, what did you do then? Well, obviously, it was quiet, quiet, obviously. But uh, we, uh, obviously, uh, things got relaxed, didn't it? There was a organising to do. And then uh, we, we, we moved, we moved out, we moved. Obviously, that to reorganise, and that we we pulled out, and we stopped at this place for a short time. We started getting organised and everything, and we gave up football, and then suddenly it was all down tools, and uh, the trouble that started in Palestine with the Jews and the Arabs. And our division, being a peacetime division, was called, and I was I took on the advance party to Egypt, uh, to Haifa, and uh, to prepare, uh, prepare a camp which was nothing but sand, 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 and I was there, and we had to prepare a camp for everything for the for the battalion to come and obviously there was nothing there absolutely it's my and uh, and that's uh, then we obviously we had to start looking to stop the fighting between the arabs and and the the jewish and uh, obviously after about 18 months my uh, demobnable come up, obviously. It was a uh, matter of demobnable's Asian service. And uh, and so my demobnable was number 41. 
And yeah. what's and what's just as we close? What's your overriding memory of the war? What's your overriding memory that you know, often comes back? Well, it's an experience that one wishes to to forget about. When you see young men, eighteen and nineteen, lying there dead, isn't it? It's mm. it's traumatic. I mean, it's. It's, it's terrible, isn't it? I mean, seeing young men, they never, you know, call up, call up to fight for the country at 18. What's your, what chance have, have they got, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you, you, just, you just couldn't do it, can you? I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. Well, thank you for telling us about your experiences in the Second World War. Thank you very much. Thank you. Obviously, a big thank you to Douglas's son, Reverend John Parker, who was kind enough to share this interview that his family recorded with their father about his wartime experiences and for sending this in to us so we could share it and help keep his memory and those he served with alive. This interview was done in July 2020 when Doug was aged 97. Sadly, just a few months after this interview, Doug passed away. You may recall Douglas mentioning trying to help save one of his wounded comrades on Saw Beach, who sadly died of his wounds. I wanted to find out a little bit more about this and where he was buried so I could go and pay my respects to him next time I'm able to get back into Normandy, which hopefully later this year, if things improve, that might be the case. So logging on to the Commonwealth War Graves Commission website and taking a look at their records, there is only one Corporal Wilkinson I could find of the 2nd Battalion East Yorkshire Regiment who was killed on D-Day. Aged just 24 years old, William Wilkinson is laid to rest at Hermanville War Cemetery in Hermanville, Sumer, which is situated only a couple of miles of the crow flies from Saw Beach, where William landed with the initial assault waves and was wounded on that fateful morning of the 6th of June 1944. By the end of D-Day, the battalion was in fact digging in in positions not far from what would prove to be William's final resting place, as the 2nd East York consolidated that first night just to the west of Hermanville. For any of those who've been to Hammondville Military Cemetery before will probably recall just before you enter the cemetery, painted beneath your feet on the floor is the large red and black markings of the insignia of the 3rd British Infantry Division. As you go through the gated entrance and pass the cross of the sacrifice on your right, you'll see a small building directly in front of you, which holds the registry box. And just the immediate left of this building, as you look at it, is plot one, where William is buried in row M in the second grave of that row. Sadly, as far as I can tell, it does not appear to be any epitaph engraved on Wilkinson's grave, which could be for a variety of reasons. But for anyone wishing to visit William to pay your respects to him, I'll post a link on the podcast website for this episode. Corporal William Wilkinson is actually, in fact, just one of 59 members of the East Yorkshire Regiment who's laid to rest here in Hanville War Cemetery. Sadly, according to the battalion's war diary on the 6th of June alone, the 2nd East York suffered 209 casualties, five officers and 60 other ranks killed, four officers and 137 other ranks wounded, and three other ranks missing. These losses make for very summer reading indeed, especially bearing in mind the fact that D-Day was 
only the first day of many these men of the East Yorkshire Regiment would face during the fierce campaign of the fighting in Normandy, which would extend all the way to the end of August, beginning of September. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it of interest. If you enjoyed this episode, please do feel free to subscribe to the podcast or leave a review. We hugely appreciate your support. I should be sharing more information about various things mentioned in this episode in the World Station podcast on our social media channels. You can find this info and drop us a message with any questions by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Worldwood Nation and also Instagram at Worldwood Nation HQ. And if you wish to help support the Worldwood Nation podcast, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash www2nationhq. The links for this will be directly in the podcast bio below. Thank you very much for your support. and It's hugely appreciated. Looking ahead to the next installment of the podcast, which is out next Wednesday, we're talking with Dutch historian and battlefield guide Joel Stoppels to learn more about Operation Amherst in April 1945. This was an Allied airborne operation carried out by members of the French SAS regiments, which would drop behind German lines in the Netherlands during the final stages of the war in Europe. Anyhow, until next time, this is Lawrence Wallet signing off for this episode of the Wellness Nation podcast. <laughs>